Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Galaxy's Greatest Podcast about the two great 90s space station shows. This is Bob from Cascadia. I got Matt from the Southland on the line. How you doing tonight, Matt? Doing pretty well. Uh, Franklin was a creep in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Franklin is a Franklin's a bit of a creep in this one. He's not he's not always a creep, but you know he's just he's been hanging around with Garibaldi too much. He's been sharing too much fondue with him, and you know Garibaldi's bad habits—they're kind of rubbing off. Yeah, it was kind of gross. Yeah, yeah. So today we're talking about Babylon Five, Season Two, Episode Five, "The Long Dark" from the thirtieth November, nineteen ninety four, as well as uh, DS Nine, Season Three, Episode Seven, "Civil Defense" from seventh November, nineteen ninety four. Yep, this is the one where Franklin is kind of a creep. Yeah, yeah, we we got that, Matt. We got that. Make sure, make sure you know. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, in the A plot, uh, we have, this is of the long dark, we have the Babylon 5 station discovering the sleeper ship, the Copernicus, and its sole survivor, Mariah Surus, whose husband didn't survive Kraya's sleep. And then in the B plot, we have a lurker and Minbari war veteran, Amos, played by Barkley from The Next Generation, driven to a religious mania by a ghost-like reptilioid entity the Babylon Project wiki calls a soldier of darkness, who is hitching a ride on the Copernicus, all of which excites Garibaldi's sympathy for his fellow traumatized vet. So this soldier of darkness, probably the most interesting part of this episode, is that thing a shadow? No, it's a servant of the shadows. It's a servant of the shadows. Okay, at the end, is it dead? Because you don't see its yes. body. Okay, yes, it's, it's dead. It's dead. It's not going to show back up again. Because I figured it was one of those things where, like, after it died, like, you'd be able to see it, you know? Like, it's invisible, yeah. but as long as it's dead, you could see the body. But you didn't see anything. Uh, it's This particular one is not going to show back up again. Apparently, the, quote, soldiers of darkness do show up again both in this show and in crusade. Although honestly, I don't remember them at all. Like I remember this episode, but I, I don't remember them showing back up again, which probably means they're pretty unimportant. Yeah. This is like a video game reference, but for anybody that plays XCOM, I imagine this thing looked like, uh, one of the enemies in XCOM. So that is uh, totally inscrutable to me, but sure. Right, yeah. So anybody listening to plays XCOM, they, they remind me of those aliens in that thing. Like they turn invisible, but then if you do shoot them, I figured it'd be they'd be visible afterwards. It, it just Wait, it bugged you're, me. You're telling me there's a video game where the X Men are communists, Matt? Not X Men, XCOM. Oh, yeah, no, oh, I, see what I you're know. No, no, yeah, Bob, yeah. no, no. XCOM's a military force. Back on subject. Oh, All right, that sounds lame. Yeah, it's, 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 it's fun though. It's so Amos, this character. Yeah, it, it was kind of interesting. Um, I I hadn't remembered Amos very much at all, but he actually does a lot of foreshadowing. Um, I mean, we we kind of already know that Malari, you know, has made a deal with the devil, more or less. But uh, Amos is leaning into that in his uh, prophesying and uh, offering Jakar a spiritual enlightenment at the end, or excuse me, at the beginning of the episode, that actually is some interesting foreshadowing in some of the directions Jakar's character will go. 
And then he also mentions the Rangers, one of my least favorite aspects of the Babylon 5 mythos. So that makes this episode technically, I guess, the first reference to or the first mention of the Rangers. Steal yourself, Matt. The Rangers are coming. The Rangers. The Rangers. Do, 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 Think do, more do, Tolkien do. than Texas, but it's it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. So if, if Malari is making a deal with the devil, is more than the devil? Uh, he's his emissary. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. At first, it, until I realized it was Barclay who was playing the part of this uh, of uh, of Amos, I, I was kind of hated the character just because of that, like the overacting. But then I realized who it was, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm good. I'm good with it. Does that make sense? It sort of does. I don't know. I I actually I would not consider myself a great fan of Dwight Schultz just in general as an actor, or specifically in his uh, past uh, ten years. He's lived up to his nickname from the A-team of Howling Mad, become a raging uh, conservative commentator on the internet. So not not my favorite person, but I don't know. I, I was actually pretty impressed by his acting uh, this episode. I thought, you know, he uh, he went into the material, maybe a little harder than it deserves, but yeah. he went into it. Yeah. I mean, he's always looked the part of that uh, conservative pundit, so I don't, that doesn't surprise me. It's got that look yeah. about it. Yeah, it's, it, it seems kind of funny that the man who becomes conservative pundit's three most prominent roles are a uh, total loser, then uh, angry guy on a fucking uh, PMC, a, as in private military contractor team, and then uh, finally uh, an unhinged veteran. That, that seems very appropriate that that man would uh, get into right-wing YouTube. Yeah, well, the, the funny thing, too, about that is that Garibaldi also doesn't the... Uh... You know, the, the guy that plays Garibaldi, what's his name? Uh, yeah, Jerry Doyle. Jerry Doyle. He was also a conservative pundit as well, right? Like, they, it's like, yeah. It's like they left B5 had... and they're like, oh, we're going to start we're gonna start conservative radio shows. Yeah, I, I think Jerry Doyle was even, like, trying to, like, line himself up to be, like, Michael Savage's successor at one point. I would have to check on that. But, yeah, oh, wow. yeah. My my old my old roommate was a huge Michael Savage fan, uh, so I'll have to I'll have to ask him what he knows about uh, Mr. Jerry Doyle. At one point, though, uh, Garibaldi refers to uh, refers to Amos as a, a gropo, G R O P O, which I found yeah. out means ground pounder. Yeah, th- th- he also says ground pounder at other points in the in the episode. Yeah, I had to put it together, but that's like a foot soldier, right? That's like somebody that goes on land and actually fights. Yeah, yeah, they might also call them Marines, although maybe they don't. It's kind of hard for me to remember. Apologies if any of our listeners are really into military terminology. Um, There are some episodes that, like, really, really lean into the ground pounder angle. So you'll, you you know, hang, hang on to that. You'll see more of that. But they're legit, like, the guys that, like, get off the thing with the guns and, like, run and, like, shoot things on land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They're like the, the, the army or the marines uh, of the Earth Alliance as, you know, as opposed to the navy that uh, do what do they even call do they call them they call them Earth Force in the yeah. in the show. I keep I keep wanting to call them Space Force, but no no, it's that's Earth. just an our dystopian reality. In <laughs> Babylon five's dystopian reality it's Earth Force. This also implies like that Garibaldi was like he, he also states that he was one as well. So during the Earth yeah, and Boy yeah. War Garibaldi was actually on the ground, like, as a soldier. Okay. Yes. That was new to me. Yeah. Honestly, like, Garibaldi's affinity with the ground pounders continues, but I, 
don't feel like they make that big a deal of him of his like combat experience later in the show maybe maybe i'm just completely forgetting you know partly this podcast is an exercise in how bad my memory is but i i don't really remember it being an on a big or an ongoing deal in the rest of the show okay i just know that you know he was a security force on mars or something like that and that just I'm yeah to... that's where he met sheridan right or no, sorry not sheridan that's where he met sinclair okay. and the next arc of the DC comic that I didn't want us to read is how uh, is how Sinclair and Garibaldi meet on Mars. Although it's also Garibaldi is like you know in a, in an in an alcoholic haze at that point, and you know has already been messed up by something. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. Okay. I feel better now. I have a, I have a better history of Garibaldi. <laughs> I did want to say uh, one thing I liked about Barclay's uh, performance in the episode was uh, his a pair of his final lines, not exactly his final lines, but close to his final lines of like, no more dreams, let's end it to the soldier of darkness. I actually thought it was a pretty good pair of lines and he delivered it really well. Yeah. Did you, this, did you know this episode was actually written by Scott Frost? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't know Mark Frost had a brother until you uh, mentioned it. And then I looked him up and yeah, he, he did some stuff on Twin Peaks. And then did you ever watch that uh, David Lynch um, sort of sitcom called On the Air? No, I didn't watch that. Yeah, apparently uh, Mark Frost was involved in that too, but apparently Scott Frost was like heavily involved in it, wrote like the first four episodes with Lynch. It's really weird. Um, it didn't air in the U.S. for, you know, sad but understandable reasons. Noah and I watched it like way back in the day before we started watching Twin Peaks The Return. Okay, I'm going to have to give it a shot. Thanks. I feel like I've seen everything that Lynch has been in like or been a part of. But I have not, I have not seen that. No. Yeah. Do you know uh, who uh, Scott and Mark's dad is? No. The guy's name is Warren Frost, and he plays uh, he plays Donna's father, Doctor Haywood, on the show. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't put the, I didn't make the connection. But yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I I had forgotten about that, but when I was looking up Scott Frost, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. They're they're both the the sons of uh, the guy who plays Doctor Haywood. Yeah. What so, one one oh, thing ahead. I noticed about Amos though uh, is that when he leaves the cell, mm-hmm. he has a towel around his neck, and this is something mm-hmm. he also he also says this. He says he has everything he needs. You know what that's from, right? Oh man, I should, but I don't. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh fuck that! I hate yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, oh, when I, yeah. Amos had some really good lines. I have so many students who love those books, and I have to always be polite and not mention that I think they're trash. Well, I've only read the first one. It's not that bad. It's it's fun. It's nothing. I mean, I, I have no sense of humor, Matt. This is well established. Uh, yeah, I need to get you into some Douglas Adams, Bob. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so another thing I want to ask you about Z- Z- Zadum, Zahadum. I don't know how to say Zadum. it. Zadum. 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 Yes. Okay, it was mentioned in the last episode by Jakar. Okay, in Revelations. Yes. Is yes. that like the shadow home world? Is that what I'm supposed to understand? Um, I can't remember if it's the shadow home world or just the sh- the world the shadows are on now. But yeah, it, it's it, it's very important. Um, it, it is like the rally important. point, though, right? Because they're trying to get yeah, all the other yeah. ones. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I just yeah, want to make sure I, I wasn't I, missing anything there. 
it, it, like I said, I, it's hard for me to remember if, it, if it's actually their home world or if it's their base. But yeah, it's way out on the rim. It's where our, quote, soldier of darkness, unquote, was heading. And yes, it's uh, maybe the most important word that's said in this episode. Zadum. All right. Zadum. We've pretty much covered most of everything that happened this episode. We'll talk about Franklin's subplot a little later, but, you know, this... this... Did you get any uh, kind of season one vibes off this episode with, like, how it kind of ends with Sheridan getting Garibaldi, like, blasting at the Soldier of Darkness? I don't know. It just <laughs> felt, felt very much like several of the season one episodes we watched. Yeah, it was kind of weird. They're like, okay, one shot won't do it. Let's just keep shooting everybody fire. Yeah, yeah, it was it was weird. I got the same feeling as like I'm trying to remember what the episode was called. There was one where they did the exact same thing. It wasn't infection, was it? Or maybe I don't think it was infection. Although infection did have like the similar plot of like the kind of super powered thing threatening the station. Or the one with the uh, the creature that takes over a uh, encounter suit. The knock, the knockaline. Yeah, maybe that one. Yeah, they. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It does have that kind. Of, like those, they all kind of fit in the same category, I guess. Of yeah, we'll Although go find this, this creature least, and shoot it. This one at least has the virtue of like the talk about Zahadoom and the shadows. Kind of gives it a little more focus than some of those season one episodes had. One thing I did note uh, that I almost forgot to mention. Uh, what's his name? Amos actually like says that this creature when he encountered it before can go through walls mm-hmm. and i was like that's weird i mean is that how it's able to latch onto the ship and get in i guess yeah it would seem like it would okay. seem like all right so yeah. anything else about this episode before we hit ds9 we'll definitely no, get to I... the franklin subplot later that's a we'll, that's, a, that's we'll, we'll come a... back to franklin's medical malpractice but yeah. yeah yeah so in civil defense we've got in the a plot ducat's uh Station defense program against the Bajoran minor insurgency is tripped, which traps the Cisco's and O'Brien in the ore refinery. It traps Odo and Quark in the security office, and it traps Kira, Dax, and Bashir in ops. And uh, in the B plot, sort of, we see that Garrett can move freely through the station, but for some unfathomable reason, as he says, Ducat didn't trust him with the high-level security codes in order to override uh, the station defense program. Yeah, this is the one with the DS9 escape room. Yeah, I guess it is a kind of escape room-esque. It'd be really awesome. Like, if they made something like this, where you had to, like, you had an hour and Ducat's yelling at you from a screen the whole time... Don't. Yeah, that's really the key ingredient is just that Mark Alamo is taunting you. Yeah, it'd be awesome. <laughs> I was uh, amazed how uh, mimetic this episode is. It's uh, the source of two immortal memes. Uh, the first of Ducat saying, attention Bajoran workers, as well as that uh, great one of Kira arming a Bajoran phaser, and it's captioned, looks like we've got ourselves a collaborator. Yeah, it's crazy. They're both from the same episode. I mean, it's like some dude just sat there and like memed this one episode. <laughs> I mean, those okay. are those those are two just beautiful, beautiful moments. Yeah. That is why I love why I love the show DS Nine. Yeah, another thing about this episode too with with me is it was full. I, I may be using the wrong term here, but it's like like sci fi jargon, techno babble, techno babble. Right? That's one thing. Yeah, it was like full of techno babble, and I bet the writers had like a field day with it because they there was so much just talking about having to shift this thing or you had to do it on this this floor and this this blah 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 move this thing around this kind of ore all this made up crap it was so it, it was funny like i mean you usually get that in most episodes but to this it was like to the extreme 
uh, there were so many different functioning parts to it. Yeah, I didn't notice that so much. And I think it's maybe because it was more directly embedded in like their actions in their immediate environment trying to survive. Whereas a lot of times in Star Trek, like the techno babble is a lot more abstract and it's just like, you know, people on the bridge are talking about like, you know, a gaseous entity or an energy entity or something they have to kind of more abstractly overcome. But because of the kind of concreteness of this episode, like you said, it's escape room qualities. I, I didn't tend to notice the techno babble as much as I yeah, might. Yeah, I mean, otherwise. they slipped it in very well. They slipped it, They did a good job of slipping it into like the regular conversation, like what they were talking about and everything. It was, it, but it just to me there was a lot of it, like more than I'm used to. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I do have to say that given how dark some of the later Odo and Quark episodes get, this one was actually like surprisingly sweet. Like, you know, um, Odo, like, taking pains to compliment Quark is, uh, you know, sure, they're a wealthier Ferengi, but he's never known a more devious one. And uh, Quark, likewise, you know, sort of complimenting Odo and sort of blaming him for being so honest that the Cardassians decided to trap him into the security office in the event of an insurgency. Yeah, uh, Odo trying to cover his tracks at the end, though, is hilarious. Like, by saying that, no, he wasn't really saying that. He was just saying it because they thought they were going to die. Really, the Grand Nagus is, is more devious, and Rom is more devious. You can just yeah. see Quark's disappointment. Quark's cousin, who has <laughs> yeah. a moon, is more devious. <laughs> yeah. I do wish, I can't remember his name now, but um, Odo does list off one uh, Ferengi daemon, who I don't think we've ever seen. And um, Quark's like, okay, but name one you know. So I, I kind of want to meet this Ferengi who Quark does acknowledge is his superior. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody ever shows up, if I'm, unless I'm mistaken. Um, I do think the co the cousin with the moon shows up much later in the show, I, I believe. Yeah. But, but it, yeah, I don't, I don't think they ever have a, a, a Ferengi daemon no. in DS9. I think that's only in the next generation. Yeah, I don't think anyone ever shows up in DS9. Like, a daemon ever shows up. Yeah, the other thing I really just loved as a character beat from this episode was uh, how eager Kira is to fire her phaser all around ops whenever it seems like it would be the slightest bit useful and how all the kind of background characters are having to scramble to get out of her way. Yeah, she she was kind of crazy with the phaser in this episode, and uh, she also had no issue just taking out life support with the phaser. I was like, oh, I might have to start a, <laughs> I might have to start a board for Kira be like, Kira's a spy, but... <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, that life support was a collaborator. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the, the final character beat is just, uh, even though he knows that the disruptor mine that's come out of the food replicator is programmed not to fire at Cardassians, I love Ducat's casualness and just, like, standing in front of it as it just keeps going off all around ops. And then he goes and gets him some red leaf tea from it, just, just to top it off. <laughs> I mean, uh, the thing is, though, like, Ducat knows that, but then Ducat did not know to stay on the station or it would, uh, you know, think of him as a traitor. I, yeah, I like to think of that as like a combination of he didn't full, he didn't fully think it through slash, I, I do like the implication that like the, you know, any Cardassian ship or station is like booby trapped, like with layers, like past the commander to and so in that sense, he is like authentically surprised. I don't know. I, I actually kind of enjoyed that. You figure someone like as smart as him would like figure it out at some point that all stations are armed that way. So just to, 
get, or they may even give them a heads up at some point and like you know they keep these meticulous files i'm sure somewhere somewhere something somewhere says that you know when the commander left he was deemed a traitor and uh, matt do you always read your employee manuals <laughs> yes front to back <laughs> i also like that you know like the episode does give you a lot of grounds for thinking like to sort of seeing that ducat has gotten a little ahead of himself right like he hears that this program is going off and he's so happy that it is and he's so happy at like the the leverage point it gives him in negotiations he maybe doesn't completely think it through i, I really appreciate that he says uh, i'll come back in like f when there's only five minutes left and then you can decide if you want to, you know, include this uh, Cardassian garrison, you know, within the within the yeah. station. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure if he had actually been able to come back five minutes later, he would have been like, it would have been, he would have upped the ante a little bit. <laughs> I'd also completely forgotten that uh, Garrick was responsible for bringing down Ducat's father. Yeah, I didn't remember that either. I, I don't feel, again, I haven't read a lot of the sort of novels that are fleshing out, like, Garrick's backstory and Ducat's backstory, but I, I don't feel like that's something they cover either. They really highlight either, which is kind of odd. Yeah, I didn't. I I did not remember that when I heard it in the episode. I was like, oh, that doesn't work. Well, another thing too, when we were going back to the whole, you, you saying there were things built into the system that maybe people didn't know about. Uh, we did have confirmation that the Cardassians definitely didn't trust Odo during the occupation because that force field in his office was mm -hmm. tied to a separate power source. <laughs> <laughs> so uh if odo ever decided to turn to, to, to be a traitor then he was stuck yeah you gotta love the irony of quark going there because he thinks it's the safest place on the station and then it turns out because of the cardassians distrust of odo it's actually one of the more dangerous places on the station but uh yeah this episode at ds9 was actually pretty good i enjoyed it yeah, yeah, this was uh, even better than I remembered. Um, I, 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 I like vaguely remembered it fondly, but yeah, this is a really good episode. Speaking of uh, really good things, we should transition to something that's not great, Matt. How about Thirst Watch? Yeah, uh, this is where Doctor Franklin was a complete creep, and we we kind of glossed over this in the uh, in the in the when we were talking about the B five episode, you know, the summary and everything, but. The character who is on this ship and is released from cryogenic sleep or whatever, uh, Dr. Franklin takes basically an immediate attraction to her. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. As the music indicates. <laughs> like, it's, it's playing. <laughs> I mean, I guess Dr. Franklin could argue that technically she's been a widow for decades. Yeah. She's it's... just now realizing she's a widow, but in the, te in the strictest and most technical of senses, she's been a widow for decades, Matt. I, I don't think Scott Frost quite knows how to write romance or relationships like this. I mean, maybe it, it was, or this was just poorly done. I, I don't know. He, she also makes sure she mentions at one point that she was already having problems with her husband before they went into cryogenic sleep. Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> that was, clears uh, it up. That, it's good. It's yeah. good. Now they were already having issues. And then Dr. Franklin, yeah. she, she initiates the kiss with Dr. Franklin at one point. Okay. And I felt like that was what they were, they were trying to make sure. It was like, okay, she's the one that made the decision to kiss him. But then he's the one that let her sleep in his quarters for no damn reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It seems to be a thing uh, with both shows that uh, both doctors are just very, very thirsty and very, very lovelorn. But, oh, boy, they, uh, they don't do Franklin's characters any favors with this. No, this is bad. This is really it, bad. It was also kind of weird when she says something to the effect of like, uh, 
maybe it was good her husband didn't wake up, which <laughs> she sort of clarifies it as like, okay, he wouldn't have liked this future. But it also kind of sounded like, well, we were having some problems, so it's kind of good he didn't wake up. And it's just like, lady, there are things called divorces. Like, you don't have to wish him dead. I'm pretty sure divorce is a thing and during the time of B5. It's, it's not a... It I don't know, man. President Clark has uh, instituted some pretty sharp reforms in that area. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's, kind of, it's, it's sad, too. Like, she doesn't show too much, rem- like, sadness that her husband's di- dead. Like, he, in the way he died, too, with the Soldier of Darkness, you know, removing his organs... Or whatever, whatever, whatever. The, they don't really go into detail, but somehow their organs are taken or gone. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't seem to care. Like she's just like, oh, <laughs> it's just me. I'm on. I'm in the future now. <laughs> she's trading up, Matt. She she doesn't just got herself a doctor. She's got herself a future doctor. Yeah, it was gross. And yeah, definitely some of the the worst thirst we've seen so far. I uh, I forgot to put it in the uh, notes, but uh, in the civil defense episode of DS Nine, we also get to see. Uh, Garrick uh, chiding uh, Ducat for thirsting over Kira, which was very fun. So uh, I did. I went back and we we kind of we haven't done econ watch in a while because it really hasn't been much. Yeah, but I did want to point out some like econ stuff here, and this kind of fits in that category. It's that several people like hate on the lurkers in this episode. Franklin being one of them, which just makes his character even worse. He dismisses Almas's claims mm-hmm. completely just because he's a lurker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doesn't really like paying it. And then also the security guard saying that they should just space them all, space all the lurkers. You see the real separation of uh, the people of B5 versus the lurkers who just kind of dwell in the empty spaces. Yeah. I mean, one of the interesting things about Babylon 5 is it's kind of a portrait of the growth of fascism. So you can see, especially in that uh, that sort of random security guard who just hates the lurkers, you can sort of see... Like, yeah, you know, all is not well in the Earth Alliance. You know, there's a lot of lot of uh, mistrust, a lot of, lot of uh, hatred. doesn't look good on Franklin's part. Like, Franklin looked really crappy in this episode. That's tw- that's two things now, like, he, two, two shots against him. <laughs> I can't remember the full context in which he dismissed Armis's claim, but he might be saying that he's a lurker just more as a shorthand for, like, the dude is, like, clearly mentally unwell. But, yeah, it's, it's not a great phrase and then we're going to move on to shadow watch for a minute you've kind of already answered this but i just want to make sure i've got it right i need to know that the soldier of darkness is basically one of the shadows minions one of their allies minions minions Minions. yeah you know how like in lord of the rings sauron has a bunch of like weird creatures who kind of work for him or kind of vaguely vibe with him kind of flock to mordor yes that thing that's the same thing here okay and then i need to know zahadum is the planet. Yes, Zahadoom is the planet. Okay, so Shadow Watch got it. All right, character of the week. I'm going with Jake for saving O'Brien. Yeah, yeah. This is actually, I think, the only DS9 episode I have uh, can think of where Jake is, like, kind of seamlessly integrated into the Starfleet plot. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was, it was like, really good. It was, like, I mean, I you know, I like Jake, but just ordinarily the show struggles with what to do with him a little, but here, no, just seamlessly integrated. It's great. Yeah. Who was yours? Uh, Ducat. I, I love Ducat so much. He's such a great villain. Yeah. Ducat was great in this episode. All right. Episode of the week, civil defense. This one was, uh, yeah, pretty easy, pretty easy. Definitely civil defense, civil defense, hand to hands down. Uh, I mean, the soldier of darkness thing could not save that 
we cannot save that plot. And Franklin's thing killed it. This is twice now this has happened. Franklin's subplot has just destroyed the episode. <laughs> yeah, man. I, the, poor Franklin. The show really does him a disservice. Yeah. It, does it? Does it get? Do we get? Okay, you've watched everything. Do we get a? Is there an awesome Franklin episode at any point, or is he just always like the? I don't think the show ever fully figures out what to do with Franklin, but I do think the later Franklin stuff isn't this bad. Okay. Yeah, because every time a Franklin, there's any time I see Franklin on the screen and realize it may be a Franklin Citric episode, I'm like, oh gosh, I don't know what to expect. Like I don't. <laughs> so. Um. So next week we've got B five Spider in the Web, which apparently is a Winters episode. Tally Winters, who we haven't seen sure. much of. Yeah, no, she hasn't been around much this season so far. And then in DS nine we have the episode Meridian, which is where they land on a planet that keeps switching between dimensions. Fun, fun. Yeah, it's it's more of a, it remi- I think it's more of like a classic kind of Trek episode than what you'd expect from DS9. Yeah, yeah, they still do that even in the later seasons. Yeah, cuz he's they take the defiant to this planet, I believe. All right. Well, this has been the Galaxy's Greatest Podcast about the two great 90s space station shows, Babylon 5 versus DS9. I'm Bob in Cascadia. That's Matt in the Southland. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>